Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. Today is the inauguration day for President-elect Joe Biden. He becomes the 46th president of the United States. After the two Democratic Senate victories in Georgia, Biden has a clearer path towards setting a more liberal policy agenda. In today's episode, we're breaking down how the Biden administration could impact Arizonans. We'll tackle this episode in three parts. We'll look at Biden's COVID-19 response, then we'll look at immigration policy, and lastly, we'll talk about how Joe Biden will work to repair the division in the country, if at all. First, we'll talk with health reporter Stephanie Innes about Biden's COVID-19 response. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephanie. We sure miss seeing you around the newsroom since we've all gone remote. And I miss seeing you as well. The COVID-19 pandemic response is clearly Biden's top priority. He says that within the first 100 days, he can't eradicate the virus, but he wants to change the course of the current surge in cases. His plan includes a swift vaccine rollout. 100 million shots in the first 100 days. And we'll follow the guidance of science to get the vaccines to those most at risk. How could Biden's vaccine rollout plan impact Arizona's plan, if at all? Well, it's hard to say at this point exactly how it would affect Arizona, but in general, we can expect more central leadership on vaccines and on COVID-19, the whole pandemic. Trump, uh, President Trump left big decisions on COVID up to individual states, and we can expect more of those big decisions coming from the Biden administration moving forward. There have been 10.2 million doses administered nationwide in the first 30 days of the rollout. And in Arizona, it's been about 220,000 doses as of Thursday anyway, I'm probably more now, and about 186,000 Arizonans vaccinated as of Thursday. So Biden's plan calls for 1 million doses per day, which is a significant increase. Clearly, the rollout was slow at first, and one can expect it to speed up. But it's unclear whether it can speed up to that degree that he wants to get it to the most uh, vulnerable Americans, he has said. Um, 100 days puts us at April 30th. And if you want to know where we're going to be in Arizona at that point, it it appears we'll be in the midst of vaccinating the very large group 1C at that time, which is adults with underlying health conditions, people living in congregate settings, And we may still be vaccinating some of Group 1B since the older adult category just expanded to 65 and older. So the 1A, 1B, and 1C populations are big. No matter what Biden does, we may still be vaccinating 1C by the time his 100 days are up. Stephanie, Biden supports a nationwide mask mandate within federal buildings and on interstate travel. That's things like planes, trains and buses. Governor Doug Ducey has held off on implementing a statewide mask mandate. How would a nationwide mask policy impact Arizona and interact with what we have done here really at the local level? 
Well, a lot of public health experts all along have said that the U.S. desperately needs some more federal guidance during this pandemic. We have roughly 330 million people in the country living under a patchwork of rules, laws, and policies governing COVID. And a good example of that is face masks. Most states have a statewide mandate. Arizona does not. So in Arizona, you have varying degrees of rules on face masks, and in some jurisdictions, have even rescinded their face mask regulations. In Kingman, there was a recall effort against the mayor over face masks. Uh, most businesses require face masks and airlines too, but a federal mandate would, some say, send a more clear, uniform message to the public. And if there is one rule rather than a mis mishmash, it's always easier to raise public awareness. It seems that with Democrats controlling the White House and Congress that this financial COVID relief package that uh, Biden has presented um, would would get some swift action. How could Arizona be affected by that package? The the COVID relief package is a, a very high price. It's one point nine trillion. So obviously, it still needs the approval of Congress, but it's very comprehensive with economic relief to help with childcare, rent assistance, and a new moratorium on evictions, and also helping tribal, tribal governments, among other things. And it would also include stimulus checks of $1,400 to Americans. I don't know if it's enough, but it certainly um, addresses a lot of the needs that are currently happening in Arizona. And the Democrats, compared to the previous administration, appear to be listening more to public health professionals and scientists who say that economic health and keeping the pandemic under control are not mutually exclusive. In other words, the sooner and faster one gets the virus under control, the faster we can go back to normal life. And it's exactly what one of our own public health officials here in Arizona has been saying all along throughout this pandemic, um, University of Arizona public health re researcher Joe Gerald has all along said, you know, we we need to address the, the economic needs in order to, um, you know, get the virus under control and get us all back into a good place. Right now, he's saying only shelter-in-place restrictions are going to sufficiently curtail the level of transmission that we have right now during this second surge. But because such restrictions impose substantial economic hardships, those measures need to be augmented by state expansion of programs to provide direct economic assistance, reduce food insecurity, and prevent foreclosures and evictions, and protect access to health services. That's tough for many people to accept, and Governor Doug Ducey does not agree with that, so it hasn't happened here, but we could see more of that um, action working in tandem you know, with economic relief and also keeping the virus under control. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking us through that, Stephanie. We'll be watching your reporting in the coming days and, uh, and weeks. Thanks so much for your insight. Thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Stephanie Innes, and that's I-N-N-E-S. Next, we're talking to immigration reporter Daniel Gonzalez. Thanks for being here, Dan. Thanks for having me. 
Joe Biden plans to introduce an immigration plan to Congress within the first 100 days. What's expected to be in that bill, and how could that impact undocumented immigrants in Arizona? Well, you're right. He's he's promised to introduce the bills as potentially as early as day one, but sometime at least within the first 100 days. And um, what they've indicated so far is that there would be some kind of legalization plan for undocumented. Um, but I think what I'm hearing from some of the immigration policy experts I've talked to is that that first initial legislation is going to look at legalizing people who would uh, be most um, most sympathetic, and that would start with people like Dreamers and people who already have uh, DACA, deferred action from deportation. In other words, uh, people who came here as kids and uh, grew up here but don't have any uh, immigration status but have uh, uh, deportation protections and work permits. Uh, another group would be the TPS holders, people who have temporary protected status, who came, who have been living in the States for for decades and weren't were living here because uh, there's natural disasters or other problems in their countries that uh, it's not a good idea to send them back. Um, there's several hundred thousand of of those people, and then also um, essential workers, people who are undocumented but are working in fields. Um, that uh, are considered um, crucial um, during the pandemic. People who work in the healthcare industry uh, would be the uh, kind of prime examples of that, and also people who work in in agriculture, uh, the agriculture industry, meat processing, poultry. Uh, people uh, working in fields, picking our food. Um, so those those likely would be the kind of people who would most likely be included in that in an early immigration bill. Do you have a sense of how soon we could see some sort of meaningful immigration reform proposals um, introduced beyond what you're talking about here? I think um, President-elect Biden and um, Vice President-elect Harris recognize the tremendous uh, um, help boost they got from immigrants and Latinos um, in the election. So, and there's also, a, a, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them because as you recall, um, when president Obama was elected, he, he made a pledge that he would get immigration reform passed in his first year. And instead he pivoted to focus on, um, healthcare and, uh, immigration reform was never passed during his eight under, you know, eight years as president. So there's going to be a lot of pressure, um, for the Biden administration to get something done on immig immigration, um, introduced early. And then there's going to be a lot of pressure to get something done. Obviously, that's going to take a long time to do, but there's going to be a lot of pressure to get something done in the first year, some kind of legislation passed in the first year. Um, or, you know, two years at the, at the outset. But I think there's, there's a feeling that if nothing happens in that first year or two years, then the chances of something, um, getting passed later on become a lot, becomes difficult again because it starts getting interwoven with, with politics. So with the election, so they want to, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to get something done. So I think we're going to see, definitely see, see something introduced early on. Um, and there's going to be a lot of pressure put on him to get something passed 
um, fairly quickly. Um, but the other thing, though, I think that's going to kind of be a major kind of um, sticking point here is what's going to happen at the border. Um, nothing is going to be able to happen in immigration um, until Biden is able to address uh, the situation at the border. There are tens of thousands of asylum seekers who came to the United States from Central America, uh, Cuba, and other countries who are languishing in border towns in Mexico under the uh, a program that President Trump put in place. I mean, yeah, President Trump put in place um, that forces people who are applying for asylum to wait in Mexico while their immigration cases are pending. And there's a, a lot of frustration among those people, and they, there's going to be some pressure on, on President Biden to address those people who are who have been waiting uh, for for months and months, and if not longer, uh, to have their asylum cases um, heard. the The issue for the Biden administration is if he moves too quickly on that, he could kind of unleash another humanitarian crisis at the border, um, and that's something he's made very clear he wants to avoid. He doesn't want. To, he he just said recently he doesn't want to have a situation where, you know, two million people um, show up at the border and create another humanitarian crisis that would basically derail um, his ability to get any of his immigration objectives. Passed. So it's going to be a very, very tricky um, first uh, year for for um, the Biden administration to deal with the situation at the border. Um, so he's going to have to deal with all these people who are at the border in Mexico waiting to come in, but do it in a way that's kind of slow and deliberate um, without triggering another wave. And you can see that you know there's already people who are 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 packing up their bags, thinking that they can come to the border. Um, that could be that could be a real real disaster for the Biden administration if that happens, and and really make it difficult for uh, for things to follow afterwards. Apart from any legislative action taken uh, early in the Biden administration, there's the question of what kind of executive action uh, he might pursue uh, on a number of fronts, not the least of which is what to do about the border wall he now sees on the uh, southern border. What can we expect by way of executive action uh, in a Biden administration? Well, <clears throat> President Trump as you know, passed dozens and dozens of executive uh, immigration changes through executive action. And I think the Biden administration is going to be looking through those and figuring out which are the ones they want to maybe look at first and then which ones they might want to, you know, you know deliberate on and some they might, they might not do anything with. I mean, obviously, um, the DACA issue is a big one. Um, the Supreme Court ruled that the Trump administration improperly uh, ended that program, but you know they've they've been trying to wind it down, uh, even making the second attempt at winding it down. So I think there could be something along those lines where he tries to firm up the DACA program while legislation is pending that would allow DACA recipients to um, um, gain legal status. Um, permanent legal status. The other kind of big issue, you know, for, for Arizona is, is refugees. Um, the Trump administration has um, lowered the ceiling 
on the number of refugees that are allowed into the United States each year to the lowest levels in, in since that program was created in 1980. I think this year there's only going to be a maximum number of 15,000 refugees allowed into the United States compared to 100,000 during the end of the um, Obama administration. And um, um, President-elect Biden has, has, has you know, signaled that he's interested in raising that ceiling back to uh, um, as high as 125,000. Whether he'll be able to do that, you know, fiscal year 21 remains to be seen. The other issue there is that um, a lot of the refugee organizations in states like Arizona that receive a lot of refugees, they've had to drastically, you know, lay off a lot of people because there haven't been any refugees coming. So it would be difficult for them to kind of ramp up quickly. So even if they raise the ceiling, they, they potentially wouldn't be able to let, you know, they wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have the capacity to, to resettle them, you know, and then in terms of the border wall, <clears throat> um, you know that the the Trump administration has has uh, declared use kind of a military funding to fund the border wall, and you know he's got some money from Congress, but and a lot of that funding has come from you know dipping into a Pentagon budget. So you know it's it's potential that um, the Biden we could see the Biden administration put a halt to uh, the continuation of a. Uh, um, construction of um, border wall fencing in Arizona and other border states. All right, Dan, we'll be following your reporting very closely, as I'm sure you'll be delving into a lot of these issues um, with the new administration. And if folks want to follow along for the ride, where can they uh, find you on Twitter? My Twitter handle is at azdangonzalez. All right, Ron, let's talk a little bit about Biden's tone during this transition into the White House. He's repeatedly said that he ran for president to repair the soul of the nation. Now, with Trump facing a second impeachment trial, how could those efforts sort of factor into Biden's ability to really sort of bring the country together and start the healing? Yeah, one thing seems clear is that President Biden will inherit a nation that feels broken at the moment on many fronts. You know, the impeachment matter that will arrive in the Senate doesn't help in any effort to try and reunite people in the near term. But the fact is that if you look at the House side and just the general tone of our politics more broadly, I'm not sure that impeachment really changed the dynamics. It just kind of changes the near term agenda. You look at, uh, for example, um, folks like Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar saying that pursuing impeachment has been, um, uh, you know, hurtful to any efforts to uh, help the country get past the election. Representative Debbie Lesko, another Republican, also saying that impeachment is something that uh, also um, forestalls any kind of healing and if you look at Democrats, they're saying that there has to be accountability for the violence at the Capitol before any kind of healing can take place. So once again, both sides are sort of in a, a pitched battle before we even start the Biden presidency. One other note is Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, a Republican, said that she is going to file a, a bill to impeach President Biden. <laughs> so 
Um, that's something that he hasn't even begun his administration before a, a Republican has said that she will pursue impeachment against him. I think it all kind of shows the the tone and, and shape of our politics is not moving toward any kind of reconciliation and any kind of national unity at the moment. So one person who has been sort of conspicuously trying to open the door on that front seems to be uh, Governor Ducey. Um, several GOP leaders, Ducey included, have said that they will attend the inauguration, including uh, uh, others. How does this play out back home with Arizona's Trump supporters who refused to accept the election results all along? You're talking about a constituency that has long had its own doubts and suspicions about Governor Doug Ducey. They've deemed him as too establishment. And, um, you know, they came out in full force a year or so ago against his red flag uh, gun proposals. And they've only doubled down and really grown in their uh, vocal opposition to him in the wake of his handling of um, COVID-19 and his encouragement of, of wearing masks. It's clear that we are seeing um, a different tone over the last several days from the governor who um, did not immediately uh, acknowledge that Biden had won Arizona and its 11 electoral votes. It uh, took him quite a, quite a while to acknowledge that, that Biden had won. He had said at the time that he wanted the, the legal process to sort of play out and you know, for some Republicans and independents and Democrats, that sort of uh, response to a pretty basic question um, about the state's electoral integrity uh, prompted criticism and kind of brought him into a new light. Um, he eventually got there and now he is going to the inauguration and he'll be there with his uh, friend, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. And other governors. And as head of the Republican Governors Association, I think what we can expect to see from Ducey is, uh, you know, a, a rebranding of sorts or a return of sorts to his 2014 roots as um, a sort of compassionate, conservative, business-minded, anti-tax guy who's who's in, uh, in the government trenches uh, to fight for the little guy, to fight for the business uh, the business owner. And so I think we can expect to see, you know, not a lot of antagonistic behavior and maybe, you know, where he has disagreements with the Biden administration, perhaps those will be less public than, um, than what they could be. I suspect that they will certainly try to play up the areas in the Venn diagram where they seem to align. All right, Gaggle listeners, that is it for today. As a note, Audio in today's episode came from the Associated Press. While we have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. We've seen some new reviews in and we are liking what we're seeing. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by the very talented Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much as always for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.